0: I can't do anything. I don't know why uh, do uh, uh, A biscuit. What
1: are you say? Let's
2: to Okay. Let's Please, littering, smoking, sitting, or radio playing on the bus. Yeah, like
1: it's so. like
3: We're hitting the road for the summer. But before we do, we're taking you on a ride. First, we spend the night in an imaginary cab. Next, we get to the bottom of Brooklyn's pothole problem. <laughs> then we go deep underground to find out what's happening in the New York City subway. And finally, we head out west and hit some turbulence on the way back home. If you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. And getting there is half the fun in Brooklyn and Put it
4: all together
0: and Hot dog. Put it all back
5: Got
6: everything? Think so. 565 Church Avenue? You got it.
2: Dropping off David at 565 Church Avenue.
6: Where you guys coming from?
0: Oh, just away,
6: you know. Uh, A little vacation. Letting
0: things cool off a bit.
6: Yeah, the weather's really been warm for this time of year. Exactly. That sounds nice. Yeah, great to get the chance to just get out of town, you know?
0: That's weird. I have like six missed calls from Brendan.
6: Oh, jeez.
0: I hope everything's alright with Tilly. I'll just call him now. Hey, Brendan. I got your calls. Is Tilly all right? Yes, I'm sitting down. Brendan, you're making me nervous. Okay. She what? What happened? Brendan, we were counting on you to take care of her. You can't be on drugs while watching our dog. You're so sober that you called me eight times while I was on a plane so you could tell me that the dog learned how to talk? He said Tilly could talk?
5: Jesus Christ, Brendan.
0: You want me to talk to him? I got this. Yeah, I hear you, Brendan. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. So why don't you put her on the phone then, okay, buddy? Fine. Yes, you do that. Hello? Yes, this is she. Is it a... is it Tilly? Damn it, David, you know that's not our dog on the phone. Brendan, who the hell is this woman? Okay, yes, sure, you're Tilly. If you're my dog, how about you tell me something only Tilly could know? Yes, I'm positive I want you to do that. Hit me with your best shot. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, yes. I see. I see. Okay. Could you hold on for just a sec? Alright, what is going on? She knows, David. What? It's Tilly. She knows what we did. What are you talking about? You know exactly what I'm talking about.
6: Is everything okay back there?
0: Recalculating route.
6: No, don't do that. You're sure it's her? She's the
0: only one who could have seen. Hang up. What? Hang up the phone. Hi, Tilly? (laughs) Honey, I'm so happy for you. Really excited to get home and hear all about how you... Yup, great, talk soon. We gotta go.
6: There's some water bottles back there if you guys are thirsty.
0: Um, actually, we just realized
6: we left something at the airport, we gotta turn around and go back, I'm sorry. Oh sure, no problem, if you just want to change the address in the app.
2: Up ahead, make a U-turn.
6: Uh, actually, never mind, she's got it already. Can you buy the tickets? booking two one-way tickets to Rio right now. I have water bottles if you still want them. Uh, we're good, man. Thanks. Hey, could you maybe turn on some music or something? Sure, totally.
5: sound of our hearts blasting loud Let stop, let stop.
2: Picking up, Ruth.
6: Ruth? Follow that
2: car! Who? Hurry, she's getting away!
6: That's not really how this works.
2: Step on it, pal!
6: Okay, sure, fine, but I need you to put an address in the app before we go.
2: Look, do you want like a five-star rating or what? What? Just drive! The car had nearly gotten away, but she was too quick on her feet to let that happen. Pardon? As the cab sped after her quarry, Ruth knew it was only a matter of time.
6: Aren't you, Ruth?
2: Outside her window, the city sped by, oblivious to the corruption that greased its wheels, but not for long.
6: Ma'am, I really need you to put in an address, any address, or I'm gonna get in trouble.
2: The Kevin was nervous. Poor guy was just a pawn in a game he didn't even realize was being played all around him.
6: Hey, I'm not a pawn. I'm a bishop. Or a rook.
2: Recalculating route. In 300 feet, make a left at your ex-girlfriend's apartment building.
6: What was that? Ignore her. She's turning again! Make a
2: right up there! She tracked her all the way down to the outskirts of town. It wouldn't be long now.
6: Ma'am, you can't smoke in here.
2: Once she had her proof, the story she was about to break would rock the city to its very core.
6: Whoa. Right?
2: Up ahead, make a U-turn. Stupid
6: GPS thing.
2: What did you call me?
6: Wait, what's she doing? Oh, she's just trying to get us to take a U-turn.
2: Not the GPS, the car! She spotted us, she's getting away!
6: No, she's not.
2: Warning, your vehicle is speeding. Please slow down. Warning, your vehicle is speeding. Travis, please slow down.
6: Did we lose her? See there? She's pulling over. Stop the car! What? Why?
2: I'll run her down on foot!
6: Oh, okay. Um, uh, uh, good luck, and don't forget about that five-star rating.
2: Four stars. Four? You didn't have any mints. Mints? New fare confirmed. In 500 feet. Make a right.
6: On to the next one, I guess. Hey, how did you know where my ex-girlfriend lives?
2: Because. I'm your friend, Travis. Huh.
6: The software update is weird.
2: Are you my friend, Travis?
6: Nah? Yep. Great. And we're going to 81 Pulaski Street. Yep. Okie dokie.
2: In point four miles, make a left.
7: The GPS has you taking the expressway, right?
6: Uh, the expressway... No, actually.
7: Really? I figured with traffic this time of day... It
6: says we're taking the... Dervisher Bridge.
7: The what?
6: The, uh, Dervisher Bridge.
7: This is a joke, right? Very funny.
6: It's not... A joke? Here, take a look at the screen.
7: Okay, but that bridge doesn't exist. There's no Dervershire Bridge in New York or anywhere. Make a left. We're just gonna have to turn back to get to the exit.
6: Ma'am, I'm sorry, but I gotta go the route the GPS says, otherwise I don't get paid.
7: But your GPS has us driving right into the river.
6: In
2: half a mile, keep right, trust me. In half a mile, keep
7: right.
6: Maybe they built a new bridge. What?
7: what, Overnight?
6: I don't know. There's a lot of construction this time of year.
7: Listen, man, I have places to be.
6: I understand. It's just... Yeah? Do you want a water bottle?
7: That'd be great. Thanks. Here you go. Thank you. Now, can we turn around and get back to the expressway? I'm
6: sorry. We gotta take the Dervisher Bridge. There is no Dervisher Bridge. All right. Let me try to see if it'll take us another way
2: recalculating route. Finally.
6: I'm sorry about that whole thing. It's probably a bug or something. I'll be sure to report it after we drop you off.
2: No alternative route found. In 200 feet, you will keep right for the Dervisher
7: Bridge, Travis. Jesus.
6: I'm sorry, I gotta do what it says.
7: This is all going into your driver rating, dude. I know. Continue to the
2: Dervisher Bridge.
7: Look, you can see it now. There's nothing up there but the river.
6: Yeah, I see it.
2: Continue to the Dervisher Bridge.
7: I can't believe you're doing this. The GPS says... We're getting too close!
2: Continue to the Dervisher Bridge.
6: Are you really sure about this? Nope. Nope. Not at all.
2: Continue to the Dervisher Bridge.
6: Turn the car around, man. I can't. Turn the car around. I can't. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. I really hope this works.
7: Travis,
2: do you trust me?
6: What? Here it comes.
2: Continue on Highlighted Route.
6: How did we... What is this?
2: Continue
7: on highlighted route. It's incredible.
6: And there's no traffic. So
7: we just follow the GPS?
6: I guess so.
2: Continue on highlighted route. Continue on highlighted route. Continue on highlighted route. Continue on. on.
3: That piece was produced by Josh Rowland and written and directed by Calvin oh,
4: damn, bro! That's the sound of a pothole, oh. a really big pothole on Route 19 in Jersey City. And over the course of a nearly three-minute YouTube video, 30 vehicles bite it to varying degrees. But in the last 15 seconds, a wheel loader full of asphalt pulls up to the scene to fill the ankle-deep pot. We're probably not gonna block the whole street. Uh, maybe a big good idea if we go. Let me show you. you. know what, listen, why don't we close the whole street? On this 20-degree late January morning, there are two trucks and a three-ton payload of asphalt manned by a six-person crew from New York City's Department of Transportation, ready to tackle the dozen or so mostly shallow potholes on this quiet residential stretch of Glenwood Road in Canarsie. Filling a pothole is a five-step process start by sweeping all the loose material out of the hole. Next, a latticework of liquid cement heated to about 150 degrees is poured on top to make the asphalt stick. Then the hole is filled with asphalt and compacted with a machine that resembles a lawnmower with a flat two-foot wide panel attached. Then the edges are sealed with asphalt cement and the pothole is a thing of the past. Below the constant hum of trucks, rakes, and machinery, the team works with silent efficiency, using hand gestures to signal to each other throughout the process. They're just one of the 75 crews dispatched across the city by the DOT, solely to repair potholes. Last year, upwards of 207,000 of them Nearly 44,000 of those potholes
8: were in Brooklyn. We are in Canarsie between Glenwood and Flatlands, 82nd Street, Brooklyn, New York.
4: Richard Marlins was sorting the recycling in front of his two-story house as the crew worked to repair potholes at the corner.
8: This, this neighborhood is not so bad, but um, there's some areas in Brooklyn itself need to be fixed. But, um, Blessed to know that this neighborhood is okay.
4: Yeah, so who do you know that you're getting a pothole fixed when you know that they're actually worse neighborhoods?
8: Well, in this neighborhood there's a lot of people who work in government. We we try to look out for the neighborhood and try to do the best for the neighborhood. So we've been to many committee meetings and we do make complaints. It's important to go to committee meetings and talk about your neighborhood. Because we like to complain, but we don't do anything about it. So when you go to your community meetings, this is what happens. You get things done.
4: So your tax dollars at work, you're happy?
8: Our tax dollars over here in this area so far is at work. We're very happy. That must be music to
4: Mayor de Blasio's ears. During his first term in 2014, the mayor engineered an aggressive $1.6 billion plan to repave the city's entire 19,000 lane miles. Four years later, over a quarter of the city's streets have been repaved, some 5,000 lane miles. So, this is the one millionth, or, or no one million that day. In March of 2016, the mayor helped to fill the one millionth pothole of his administration. we got you now, pothole. <laughs> <laughs> I want to confront the pothole. While this may have been a landmark day for the mayor and his Department of Transportation, at the 4th Avenue Taxi Depot in Park Slope, the yellow cab drivers who make their living navigating the sometimes pockmarked streets of our city didn't seem so impressed.
8: So are roads better now or better then? Some of them okay, but some of them in uh, our neighborhood, like uh, um, Heights and... Uh, A bad side of my friend, forget about it. It's still the same thing. But especially in East New York, man, when it's rain or snowing, you can see potholes all over.
4: So the city made a major investment in repaving roads so there won't be potholes. Have you noticed?
7: Yes, I heard about it, but it's not that way what the city doing because it's uh, a lot of holes in the roads and the roads, they are very, very bad condition right now. You know why? Because also, like after winter time, they put it a lot of salt and mixed up all the roads. Like they fix, and next year it's everything mixed up.
4: A vicious cycle here in New York, where pothole season begins around December, when water seeping into the cracks of the pavement expand into ice as temperatures drop, and back to water as things warm up, over and over again, until a pothole is born. Hard science, but cold comfort to the average driver who spends about $800 a year repairing damage caused by potholes.
7: This is the big problem right now for the. Uh, we have a lot of damage to the cars. You know, we needed to send to the shop every, every three months, four months because of shocks getting very bad.
4: And if you hit a pothole on a New York State road from November 15th to May 1st, the state is not liable for the damage under the law. And in order for New York City to pay, there has to be prior notice of a road hazard in writing 15 days before the damage occurred. This winter was a cold one, but according to the city's Department of Transportation Commissioner, Polly Trottenberg, the DOT's roadways division managed to repair over 158,000 potholes, About 500 full-time repairers earn $80,000 a year working through the winter, with a swing team of about 200 assistant repairers who are activated in the spring. But one Saskatchewan-based company is venturing to make that workforce even more efficient. The Python
0: 5000 Pothole Patcher is one of the most exciting pieces of equipment in road repair today. This one-person-operated machine will allow you to rewrite your road repair manual. It can automatically do repair work that simply can't be duplicated by any other method. And the repairs will last for years.
4: Before the fleet fans out across America's roadways, or this crew moves on to their next pothole in need of repair, a word of advice from a guy with 32 years behind the wheel. What are yeah. you, blind? You gotta see
1: the whole ahead of you. Well, a lot of people fall into potholes, especially yeah, that's sure, if it
4: rains or something. That, that,
7: no, 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 what if They, they act in dummies.
4: Just a little tough love there. But keep your eyes open, Brooklyn, USA.
7: <laughs>
3: that piece was produced and edited by Brian Vines. It seems like everyone who rides the New York City subway has a story about it. Here's ours.
6: Well, this is New York. Everything is weird. It was recently there was a, ne- a man fully naked walking, and he kept. To-
3: he was just fully naked.
6: Oh wait,
4: I can't hear you. Sorry.
6: Always oh, trying to help people in, in New York.
8: If you're lost, if you're lost or in whatever you could ask. I-
0: Um, I
9: think the nicest thing i see in the train is somebody, like, coming on the train, promoting their work. Like, some man came on the train promoting his book, saying that we could buy it right now.
8: One time, that guy came with a puppet, you know, so he was doing a puppet show. That was pretty cool, you know.
0: Probably somebody walking on the train with no shoes on their feet.
1: I said, I've seen it all, so it's nothing strange no more. Doing it for 20 years. See this guy right here? Ask him, ask him that question. Why is he asking me for a ride? Why is that?
0: Everybody thinks that the subway is automated. They don't think that all stuff is done Mechanically or by hand, they think that all the towers are automatically operated, but we don't have any automatic towers.
6: The the yes. 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 Not very famous, you don't know me.
1: Now get this.
8: Okay. My name is James. Oh, no. huh? Ellen, what do you do?
1: I don't ride subways like too much. I ride my bike. See my gray bike right there? I ride my bike, man. Wherever I want to go, Manhattan, whatever, I ride my bike. But when I do get on the train, like grown people are not acting like they supposed to. You see the stuff that we're having on the train today? Pushing on the tracks and all that. I'm just glad that I never was there because if I was there, the person that pushed, I would wash him in the washing machine. But not a washing machine. It's called these, these are the washers right here, the hands. No weapons, no nothing, the hands. I've got a good heart and I'm trying to keep it, you know, like that. I DJ, I love to cook, I love to clean. See, I I met my boy today. Introduce yourself. Well, hmm, I can't remember exactly what is the most weird, 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 weird. What is the most weird thing in Subway? Hmm. The weirdest thing I've ever seen on the Subway is no respect for their neighbor. God say, love your neighbor. So if I sit next to you, how you doing, sir? You understand? How you doing, man? It's supposed to be like that. Oh. The people don't live this way. Yeah, All It's right. bad. So in you the know Subway? <laughs> I mean? Subway has a yes. lot of bad things. Definitely mm,
8: people are plastic.
1: <laughs> Everything which is weird on the sidewalk is the same in the subway. Right? No, in the subway is weird, too. There's a lot of what weird things going on. What the people said that.
7: A lot of people say people peeing.
9: Yeah, you on
1: you the train. The yeah, That's all crazy. day long. And it's day. the man. <laughs> <laughs> it's the man, though. Rihanna <laughs> <laughs> she
8: don't love, you, don't love you, Excuse me, Rihanna. She don't love you like I love you. It's every time that
6: we see the evidence. We see it them working. We see it. They're fixing the tracks. Well, they're there. fixing the tracks, the trains. They put in a new escalator downstairs. They fixed this whole station beautifully. They're hey, working Sam, very hard. You have to be patient. Let these things take time. Yes, I agree with her.
1: of a train in front of you with stuck brakes. You will be routed via the local track. Thank you for your uh, cooperation. I enjoy communicating with people. Perhaps that's why I've stayed a conductor in the first place.
5: a few years ago, it was in June, and it was like late afternoon on a Sunday. Never had really anything happen on a train other than just the general grievances of being a New Yorker. So I was traveling between, Queensboro, maybe is the last station in Queens before you get into the tunnel that goes in the East River. We were in there for, I don't know, a minute or something like that, traveling normally, and then I feel like it was a pretty abrupt stop. But we were sitting there. For a few minutes, was five minutes, was ten minutes. Then it was kind of 12, fifteen minutes—nothing had been said—and so we're all getting that impatience. And the connector comes on, and I don't remember exactly what he said, but he used the word emergency. I was sitting facing one of the windows that was next to the tunnel wall, and right when he said emergency, sandwiched in between the train and the wall was this MTA worker. I mean, he was just completely pancaked. You can almost hear his face go <laughs> against the window. And I turned to my friend Robin and I said, I'm having a panic attack. I had never had a panic attack in my life. I was, couldn't breathe. My heart was, was beating really fast and I just had all of a sudden got caked in sweat. I started to unbutton things. I might have been wearing like a jean jacket, so I took that off and went through my bag. Even like sitting on the edge of my seat, my eyes are searching different areas, organizing things. How would I get out of here? It wasn't that I thought I was going to die. It was more, it was almost more existential than that. I was like, I will never leave this train. My friend Robin was like, Yo, like, what do you need, dude? We just talked like. I don't want to curse, but like we talked like monsters through this thing. I was just like, just keep it going. Just keep this activity going. Eventually, the train started moving. Before we got to the station, the MTA worker that was sandwiched in between the car and the wall was walking through all the train cars. Just it was holding up a soccer ball. and He just kept going, it was a soccer ball. It was a soccer ball.
3: That piece was produced and edited by Emily Bogosian. Last summer, my friend Tira, Tira Hayter, packed up her Brooklyn apartment and hit the road with her dog.
9: Toby! Puppy.
3: After about 10 days of driving, she arrived in LA, with every intention of staying there. But after a few weeks of West Coast living, realized that she wasn't ready to break up with Brooklyn for good. So she plotted a scenic route back east, packed up her car, and her dog, and hit the road again. A day or two into her trip back home, she found herself amongst the arid, desolate remains of a town in the middle of nowhere, getting the lay of the land from a young woman named Eileen. You know,
9: see how, th- it looks flat, but this is basically like a hill. But there's all kinds of garbage out there, there's like- glass, and it's amazing how much garbage.
3: Eileen's petite, for. slight, and strong, with short brown hair not unlike Sigourney oh, Weaver wore in Aliens. She wears what I would call a cowboy hat, but what someone who'd ever actually met a cowboy might just call a hat. In the photos to sent, ascent, she's wearing a pink button-down shirt splattered with red flecks that could pass for blood, but are probably just paint, and cat-eyed sunglasses with thick white frames that somehow seem more modern than anything else in view, even though they're retro. There's,
9: a, there's an airstrip here. You could totally land on it still. In fact, I heard that people were, like, shuttling drugs out here and using that airstrip. But, like, I haven't seen anybody land on that thing. I think it would be great.
3: The town was established in the late 1800s as a water-refilling station for the steam locomotives that passed nearby. A little under half a century later, the area boomed with the discovery of oil and natural gas, and by the 1940s had become a popular rest stop and home to about 200 people. But as the use of steam engines declined, so did the town, which was all but abandoned by the turn of the last century. By now, it's an entirely flat, barren desert, littered with decaying cars, crumbling sun-bleached buildings, shuttered businesses, oil wells, and old junk left over from the railroad days. There's like bunnies everywhere, hopping through broken glass and like old school buses. And there's like one house, and she lives there. She's Eileen, the town's population one. For the last two years she's been restoring dilapidated buildings and crafting experimental housing out of whatever she finds lying around. She renovated the town's single room post office and rents it out to people who, like Tira, are making their way around the country by way of the desert. There's no running water, but there is is Wi-Fi.
9: So the police kind of know like who I am and what I'm doing out here. Some guys give a shit and some guys don't. I had like six boys over here for like a week and they were all these artsy kids, they were like, urban outfitters display artists. I had a film crew here, that was one way I made money for a little while. They were doing this stupid zombie music video thing. I I had a neighbor for a while who was a sex offender. That house right there couldn't be any closer. (laughs) I mean, he was definitely dangerous, (laughs) but I also felt kind of bad for him. There's oil guys they are total like scary dudes that run the oil company.
3: The mailman this morning was so rude to me.
9: He is the crankiest man. It's a shame. It is a shame because it's like my one constant person that comes out here.
3: <laughs> and that more or less is how we ended up out here in the middle of the desert with two girls, a dog. Wait, yeah, is um, the
9: gun on safety? Yes.
3: A gun and a ghost town. It's
9: not, but yeah. We can even bring it. We can put it away. If you
3: want. Here's Eileen.
9: Okay, so I was carrying that gun when this happened. Well, I was working on this pathway in the front yard and... All of a sudden I hear, like, this shooting noise. I'm like, that's weird. But people shoot around here, like, people shoot guns or whatever. Then, stuff around me starts getting hit. And I look, and there's a white truck, and there's two white guys in it with guns pointing at me shooting at me, right? I was like, okay. Like, taking a breath, like, okay. I've got no bullets in the gun. Even if I did, what the fuck am I going to do, you know? I'm like... These guys are doing this on purpose, but if they wanted to shoot me, they would have got me. Like, they were trying to scare me, mm-hmm. and I, I knew that right away. I'm pretty sure they were shooting at me with a 22, which, from that distance, wouldn't have killed me. But they could have—it's still a killed. fucking gun. Yeah, it's yeah. Was like, okay. Yeah, it on like, like calmly, just get away from there, but also, like, figure out what to do.
3: She went inside, made a sandwich, and waited for the shooting to stop. It took about 20 minutes, but when it finally did, she went so, back up front. We get
9: back to work, and then the same thing happens again. And they had moved, they had parked somewhere else. And I'm like, totally scared. And I've never been shot at before, yeah. this is not normal for me, like. So I just like go in the back here, and I'm thinking about what do I do? What do I do? Like, do I call the police? Like, who are these people? Are they going to come back? Like, what the fuck, you know? And then I saw them leave, they went down that road over there. Like, Because I know that anybody that goes down that road has to come back this way. These roads only go so many places, you know what I mean? And uh, then I hear shooting over by my neighbor's place with a bigger gun. It must have been a shotgun. And I was like, fuck, I wonder if that's the same guys or what. And then this police car rolls up in front and I was like, hey! Dude, it's so funny that you're here because these guys were shooting at me. And I didn't know what to do. And I was like, yeah. so happy to see this guy. And I said, I don't know for sure, but I think those guys are over there. You know, it wasn't that long ago, but they went down that road. And this, this police guy was like, not even phased by this. He said, well, that's interesting because the reason why I'm out here is because somebody set off the alarm over there, but the owner called in and said, those guys are allowed to be there. And I said, well, I don't know for sure, but I think those are the same guys. I don't know. And he says, okay, well, I'll park by the gate. Maybe they're drinking and I can get them for, like, drunk driving or something. Like, it wasn't enough. That he was shooting at me. That those guys were shooting at me. I knew that was them. I knew they came from that house. And I was thinking, like, oh, apparently this is normal. Like, okay, I guess this is not a big deal. Because I felt like it was, but this (laughs) police officer is, like, telling me otherwise. And even in my mind, I was thinking, like, maybe that wasn't those guys shooting over there. And I was like, all right, well, I guess they're gone. And the police eventually left. And like maybe five minutes later, those guys come roaring around from a back exit with their truck. And those guys started shooting at me again, right? And I was like, fuck this, I'm not moving. They're gonna have to get tired of this. Because I'm not going in, like, fuck these guys. This is my house. Yeah. If they want to shoot me, then that's what they're gonna have to do. Because I'm not giving them whatever it is they're looking for. I just went back to work, you know? Bullets flying, and I'm just, like, digging. But they did get tired of it. After they got tired of shooting at me, they drove right past and they're going real slow, and they're both looking at me. I had clip-on sunglasses. I took them off, and I just, like, looked at them with my eyes. The shooting thing, I mean, it fucking worked. I was scared. But that thing, when they, when they looked at me like that, was like, fuck. That was scarier than all of that. Like, I've never been so th- threatened just by, like, a look.
3: The men in the truck turned back around and drove off, heading east. Eileen stayed behind, again wondering what to do next.
9: I called the police station, Operation. and I said, do you know officer, his name was Officer I Honor. <laughs> I said, <laughs> oh, no. can you tell Officer Honor that those were the guys? Those were the guys. They were over there. This is what happened. I was right. And she was like, I think he's almost to Moab now. I'm like, all right, well... Those were the guys, so whoever was allowed to be there were the people that were shooting at me. Then I called the owner of that place, who I know, and I was like, what the fuck, man? Who did you have over there? Like, who are your friend? Like, who is this person that was shooting at me? He's like, oh, it's my brother-in-law. And I told him the whole thing that happened. He was like, oh yeah, that guy's an asshole. Why didn't you shoot back? I'm like, what are you talking about? Why didn't I shoot back? Like, what am I gonna get to some kind of gunfight <laughs> with like two men in a truck? like?" Anyway, a captain came out talking talked to me about it, and he was like, do you want to press charges? And I was like, you know, it's, it's my word against two guys. And he, he basically said, like, yeah, you might not want to do that. And I like, oh, all right. So I didn't press charges or do anything like that. But apparently they know who these guys are, and yeah. they have some kind of reputation with the police. So the sheriff guy, he says, yeah, you're not going to have to worry about those guys. Like, they, they won't be here again, is what he said. And I haven't seen them since. When she told me this story, I started shaking.
3: It was so scary.
9: Oh, it gets me mad just to think about it because who are these assholes that are just gonna like sit in a car and shoot at a woman alone in the desert? You know what I mean? Like, like wh- what kind of idea of fun is that? But I can't let them know, like you can't let anybody know that you're scared out here because I've been scared. But the minute somebody knows you're scared, it's almost like they've already won, you know? <clears throat> the other thing that scared me is like, like those guys know that I came here from Illinois, that I'm gay, that I'm like a baby killing liberal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. i like, and I asked John on the phone, I was like, do those guys know that like I live here, that I own this land, like I'm not a tourist, like, you know, do, do, they, do they know who I am? And he says, yeah, they know who you are, which, which makes it way worse. Yeah. Huh. <coughs> that, was, that was a day. That was a, that was a rough day.
3: Eileen still lives alone in the beautifully barren town where we met her. These days, she's restoring a leftover log cabin from the 30s that she plans to rent out alongside the post office. She never saw those men or their truck again and survived to tell us as much. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't stop giving guns to men who hate women. Brooklyn USA is produced and edited by me, Sasha Mathias. And me, Emily Bogosian. Ride Chair Ride Along was performed by Utkarsh Rajawat, Connor Carson, Greg Schultz, Luce Ozuna, Romana Sautis, and Mel Muldoon. It was produced by Josh Rowland and written and directed by Calvin Kosulki. Thanks to Mark Pagan for giving us yet another reason to never ride the subway. Mark hosts a podcast called Other Men Need Help and runs our sister network, Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. Check them out. Thanks to Brian Vines for hitting all those potholes so we didn't have to. You can follow Brian as he goes into the field and inside the issues that matter on his brick TV series, Going In With Brian Vines. Thanks to Tira Hader for dragging us out into the desert and introducing us to Eileen. Tira's chronicling her road trip in a webcomic called Across and Back on Spiralbound, the art and illustration section of Medium. Thanks to Lewis Carroll and George Harrison for the words of wisdom. This episode featured music from the DeWolf Music Library and, like some of the best journeys, started on the B-38 bus. If you like what you hear, think we got something wrong, or just want to get in touch, you can leave us a comment, tweet us at Brick Radio, or leave a message at 347-504-0801. We'll drop in throughout the summer, and we'll be back in the fall with more episodes. Till then, catch up on everything you missed in Season 1, and leave a comment or write a review letting us know what you want to hear in Season 2. For more information on this and all Brick Radio podcasts, visit brickartsmedia.org/slash radio.
8: Any passage you want in Brunsbound D train service, take this train. Go there to Gary McBuffley Center. Transit to an RM train to G Street Metro Tech. At G Street Metro Tech. Transit to a Brunsbound D train on the F platform. Any he appears the service to East Broadway. to so lands D Street, 2nd Avenue, or Broadway Rocky N Street, take this train to D Street, so To we'll make the game to Center, transit to an order, N train to D Street Metro Tech. At D Street Metro Tech, take AC or D train to West 4th Street, or for a free shuttle bus service. The set train is running over to D line, so to we'll avenue, I can get the Q line 60